Well, good morning again, everyone. Uh, turn it with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. As I mentioned earlier, today is a new member service uh, Sunday. This morning we're welcoming in 10 individuals into membership here at RBC. Two of them uh, will be baptized. They'll have the opportunity to share their testimony with us, each one of them. Uh, so this morning, it seems appropriate that we would uh, spend a few moments refreshing our thinking uh, on the subject of baptism, which is not just for the benefit of those who are getting baptized this morning, but also for the benefit of those who are witnessing these baptisms. Before we go any further, I want to ask the Lord to bless uh, the teaching from his word and then also these uh, times of testimony and these baptisms. So would you bow your heads with me? God, we thank you again for just another Sunday morning where we can gather together as the body of Christ and proclaim we worship a holy God. God, you've called us out of darkness into your glorious light through the person and work of your son, Jesus Christ. It was not of anything that we've done, Lord. The only thing that we've done is sin. The only thing we bring to the table is our sin and yet you, in your glorious grace, through your work on the cross and your ultimate resurrection, have now, through faith in your people, there we now have salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, what a glorious reality. Father, we look forward to hearing testimonies this morning uh, of your work in uh, people's life. Uh, Lord, their allegiance to you. We pray that you would bless the testimonies, Father, the baptisms. Uh, Lord, as they declare their allegiance to you, Father, may there be fruit from their testimony, even as we, again, are reminded of our own baptism, reminded of our own redemption through your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray that you would bless the rest of this service for your glory and your glory alone. In Christ's name, amen. So a baptism, again, is not just a, a once-for-all event with uh, a once-for-all influence. Baptisms, as we witness baptisms, it's an ongoing influence as we reflect upon the meaning of it, as we witness others being baptized, as we remember our own baptism this morning. Now, before I highlight what baptism symbolizes, I want to clarify something up front concerning baptism. Baptism does not save an individual. It merely points to the salvation that someone already has, uh, the salvation that's already been accomplished by God's sovereign grace through the Holy Spirit. So baptism is signifying. It signifies something that has already taken place in the heart of the individual by God himself. Now, with the time that we have left, I'd like to highlight as briefly as possible four things that baptism symbolizes as we observe this ordinance today. And again, this is not an exhaustive list, uh, but four very important symbols that baptism points to. First of all, baptism symbolizes the historic facts of the gospel, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. If you're with me there in Romans 6, we're going to be moving around here a little bit in Romans 6. Look at verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with him 
by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Paul is speaking of the spiritual baptism that takes place in us at conversion, the baptism which is symbolized in this ordinance that we will uh, observe this morning. He's, he's saying that baptism is nothing less than a dying with Christ, being buried with him, and then being raised again. Inherent in this very simple ordinance, this being dipped into water, is a picture of the Son of God who lived a perfect, righteous life, uh, and then because of no sin of his own, died on a Roman cross, the sins of his people being laid on him. He died in the place of sinners. He was buried in a tomb, and then he rose again out of that tomb to the glory of God. He ascended on high where he now lives and reigns until all his enemies are put under his feet. All of these basic truths of the gospel message are symbolized in this very simple ordinance of baptism. So baptism points to the literal, historic work of Christ on whom all of our salvation rests and our souls depend. Secondly, baptism symbolizes union with Christ. I'll read more fully from Romans chapter 6. Verse 1, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And then verse 5, For if, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Now, I'd love to be able to expand more here, but I won't be able to fully this morning. But what Paul is essentially saying, and he says the same thing in other, other parts of Scripture, Colossians 2, 11 through 14, if you want to look at that, what he's saying is baptism symbolizes spiritual union with Christ, the spiritual union with Christ that takes place at our conversion. So we are joined to Christ, and that joining to Christ is not something that we accomplished by our own works. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 1.30, Because of him, God, you are in Christ Jesus. The reason that you and I are united to Christ is because God puts you in Christ. I find it helpful to think of this union in terms of the person we used to be united to in our sin— Adam, right, the first man. When we were born into this world, we were united to our first father, the head of the human race, Adam. And what are the results of being united to Adam? Well, we were born into the world guilty before God because we inherited Adam's fallen nature. Th these are truths that are taught us, taught, uh, taught us in the word of God. Romans 5, again, opens that up more Fully. But when we are converted, we are joined to the new Adam, to, to Christ, to the, to the perfect Adam. 
And what's the result of being joined to Christ? Well, instead of getting the bad record that you had when you were united to Adam, you now get Christ's perfect righteousness imputed to you, uh, imputed to your account. Now, when God sees you, he sees you as righteous. He sees you and he accepts you. What else do we get by being united to Adam? Well, instead of getting Adam's old bad heart, you become a partaker of the divine nature. Second Peter chapter 1. You, you, you have a regenerate, regenerated new heart, a, a new nature that the Holy Spirit has put in you. And just as a baby gradually gets more and more sinful by acting out on his fallen nature, you become more and more conformed to the image of your new Adam, the, the perfect Adam. So the believer, when he inherits this new divine nature, he becomes more and more and more like this new head of his race, his, his new legal representative, the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I say all of this because I, I think it's very helpful to those who are being baptized, not just to those who are being baptized, actually, but really to all of us who are witnessing their baptisms. Because what these folks are saying, what, what a person is saying when they're being baptized is, I, I've exited the mainstream of humanity. I, I'm no longer part of Adam's sinful race. I now, by God's grace, am joined to Christ. I'm, I'm under the new covenant head. I, I belong to the, to the chosen race. I, I used to have Adam, the one who failed, the one who brought condemnation and death and sin into this world. But now I have Christ. I have the, the head of a new race who did not fall, who perfectly kept the law of God and who rose from the dead in victory, defeating sin and death. Now again, there's so much more that we could say about our union with Christ, but for the sake of time, I just want to move on to, I'm going to move on to our third point. Third thing that, that I want to highlight that baptism symbolizes is the forgiveness or, or the washing away of sin. Baptism is a symbol of washing. It's a symbol of being pure, a purification. Now, again, the water doesn't wash away our sins. It, it symbolizes what the blood of Christ has already done. Revelation 1.5, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. So the person that's being baptized is able to say, my baptism is a symbol that all my sins have been washed away. The, the sins of my youth, the sins that I committed recently, the, the sins that I'm committing even now, the sins that I will commit in the future, all of them are washed away by the blood of Christ. In other words, salvation is not about the sinner paying for his sins by his own good works or by his own suffering. It's about the sinner being washed of all his sins and uh, through the good works and the suffering of Christ, the Savior of sinners. He's washed us by his sacrificial blood, the forgiveness of sins. 
Fourth thing that baptism symbolizes is a radical change of life. If you're still in Romans 6, let's continue in verse 6 through 11. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying here that because of our union with Christ, we have in a very real sense died to sin. Because we were in Christ when he died, we, we died with Christ in respect to our sin. And even, even as Christ was raised again to new life, now we in Christ have been raised to walk in newness of life. That The old man that I used to be is dead. I am now living. I'm, I'm walking in the power of the Spirit. Sin no longer has claim on me. It no longer rules over me. And again, we see this imagery in the physical act of baptism, don't we? So you're, you're buried under the water, and then you come out of the water to signify this rising from the grave. There's this dying to old self, uh, the, the old self of living for myself. And, and now, now I have new life as I'm coming out of the water, symbolizing new life that I have to the glory of God. So from God's perspective, we call that regeneration, right? It's, it's something that every believer experiences at their conversion. And then from our perspective, we would actually call it repentance. God raises me to new life, and I now commit to living for him. person being baptized is saying, I'm a new creature in Christ, and, and things aren't going to be the same from now on. Yes, I may sin, I may falter here and there, but I won't like it. I won't wallow in it. I, I hate my sin. Sin no longer has this domination of my life. I have a new master. I follow a new Lord. Now, again, we do this by the grace of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. But what I want us to realize, even this morning, one of the means in which we do this is through the ordinance and the observance of baptism. In the remembrance of it, in the act of it, in the witnessing of it, we are corporately together reminding ourselves not only that God has done a work in me, but we're also saying, I'm going to consider myself dead to sin and alive to God. I'm going to be constantly yielding my members as servants of righteousness to him. So this is not just a demonstration of what God has done. It's also a declaration of our ongoing commitment to our Savior and Lord. So there's symbolism in baptism that even the youngest believer can understand. We see the historical facts of the gospel, the life, death, resurrection of Christ. We see our union with Christ. We see forgiveness of sins and a radical change of life. So Nate and Audrey, 
as, as you come into the waters of baptism, I hope these truths will enhance your baptism this day and remind you of your ongoing commitment to Christ. To those of you who have been baptized and are joining the membership this morning, remember the commitment that you made to the Lord Jesus Christ. To all believers in this room or watching via stream, Christ has joined you to himself. Therefore, let us all commit ourselves to him in an ongoing way as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Remember, you are not your own. You were buried with Christ into his death, and now you've been raised to newness of life. You've been set apart for God. To those who have never trusted in Christ as Lord and Savior, I pray that as you witness these baptisms, as you hear many people publicly testify to their allegiance to Christ, that by the Holy Spirit you might be convicted to repent of your sins and to trust in Christ this morning. Amen.